Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Exodus 15 verses 19 to 21. Miriam was the revered sister of the tribal leader Moses, but she was also the acknowledged leader of all the women who fled from Egypt with their families. Miriam's role as a leader of the Hebrew women was to a large extent subsumed into the history of her brother Moses. Miriam had personal charisma and power. She was the one who saved Moses when he was a baby. She spoke up against his marriage to a foreigner, and she remained faithful to her brothers and led the Israelites by example, served her people rather than ruled them, and did what she believed God wanted rather than serving her own ends. Miriam expressed all the robust qualities that are best, courage and ingenuity in a dangerous situation, loyalty to her family, a love of music, storytelling and dance, and intellectual inquiry into questions about authority and social responsibility. She remains a model for women and men today, and shows quite clearly the place dancing and song has held in our society since the beginning of time. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNinney, and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out in a tree. Homeschooling can be embarked upon for a number of reasons, too. A physically challenged child or parent, the threat of bullies and overwhelming peer pressure, a particularly brilliant child who's bored in kindergarten, a conflict in religious teachings, a desire for the family closeness missing in your upbringing. For me, it's a lifestyle that suits the maverick lurking within. I wanted to be the one who saw the light bulbs go on. I wanted to be there at turning points in my children's lives. I didn't want to hand them over to folk who weren't their mother, and I wanted to make my own decisions about how to raise my children. On this show, I've spoken to a wide range of homeschooling mothers, fathers and graduates who find educational opportunities everywhere and thrive. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. God and children will do that. I've gained insights and delights that I'm happy to share with you. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy and sometimes a roller coaster. But for me, it starts and ends with God. The beauty of walking briskly in the evening, the mockingbirds singing, rain falling softly, crickets, the sight of a new moon or a serious hug. I'm broadcasting from Richardson, Texas at my friend's house, and after the first break I'm thrilled to have veteran homeschooler Laurie Lane returning to my show. Laurie founded a visual and performing arts academy as an advanced level arts program for high school students, and this week she's invited her son to join us as we talk about different facets of her business. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies, where I'm going to be taking a look at theatre with our children and how it kept us together. Are you ready? My oldest son's in California. It took him a long time, I think, to finally make up his mind to move there, but perhaps because he's older and wiser, the experience will work better for him. When he was young, he wanted to be an astronaut and would settle, or so he said, for an engineer. So I had to find him competent science teachers to fulfill his academic requirements and in the doing, remarked my blue-eyed cowboy, even if he doesn't reach the very top of his ultimate goal, he set his sights so high that anything he ends up doing will be marvellous. 
I think what I meant by that was, if he'd set his eyes on being a hamburger flipper at McDonald's, for example, he would really have nowhere acceptable to go down to. Of course, he was brilliant at science and would have made a very intelligent engineer, but for our gift of a video camera, which turned his head when he was eleven. He then set out to reach for the stars, taking a different route. He uses his mathematically ordered mind to edit and direct. He uses his creative talents to write and produce. He really is a superb, all-round young man, as you've heard several times on my show. As a family, we were already in theatre. I'd stumbled upon it by being a ballet dancer very every year in my school's end-of-summer term operetta. And then when I went to college, I joined a friend in the drama department. And even though English literature was my thing, we read all the greats anyway. So I did literature from another angle. Three years of theatre experience had me hooked and I fell in with any amateur drama society I could find. This was a really good way of meeting people and doing things in the long, dark evenings of London winters. When my Texan and I met, we had a lot in common, although his stage experience had been a whole lot more professional than mine. It was only natural to share our talents with other people in the community and have our children tag along too. So how could it come as any surprise when my oldest son and my youngest daughter both decided to make the arts their forms of expression? Although we didn't belong to a strictly Christian group, our community theatre was, con- was very conscious of who it was serving and all the shows we put on, both with children on stage and the civic theatre. The adult branch of the theatre was safe enough to take grandparents to and priests and neighbours. We were very active and volunteered for hundreds of hours. It was such a pleasure to see talented children growing up and making successes of their lives, whether on stage or not. The arts does a whole lot more than feed the craving to be centre stage all the time. It develops self-esteem, a sense of relationship, teamwork, public speaking and much, much more. My guest this week will be able to elaborate on what I've just said, so it's break time. Go and replenish your drink, and I'll be back in just a moment with Laurie Lane and her son, John Michael. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm delighted to have as my guest this week, Lori Lane, whom I chatted with on August the 1st about her company, Artios Academy, and her son, John Michael Lane. Lori is a homeschool veteran of 20 years. She and her husband, John, have four sons, ranging in age from 16 to 29. The three eldest are homeschool graduates. Lori has spoken at conventions, served on panels, directed and produced many children's choirs and stage productions, both in schools and community theatres. In the fall of 2000, she began the Artios Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts as an advanced level arts program for high school students. Laurie lives in Colorado with her husband and youngest son, where she enjoys horseback riding, hiking and skiing. John is a 2004 graduate of Artios Conservatory and attended North Greenville University to study theatre and Georgia State University to study economics. He's currently the Director of Development for Artios and in addition to teaching 
several classes, Worldview, Government, Economics and Film, Video. He's also the creator of the RTS Home Companion series. He and his wife, who teaches and choreographs with the academies, co-direct the RTS Outpost summer camps and internship program during the summers. Welcome, Laurie and John, to my show this afternoon. Well, thanks for having me back. John? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you. Well, good, good. Um, okay, I'm going to start, Laurie, with um, a little bit of a, an overview from you about RTS Academy and how and why you started it. Well, I was a homeschool mom, a fairly new homeschool mom at that time, and I had two sons that were interested in the arts. One was interested in film. And one was interested in theater. And at that time, we lived in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And I looked around Atlanta and uh, for a program that I could feel comfortable putting them in, both from a quality of instruction aspect and from a, a worldview aspect. Mm -hmm. And as I looked around, I found I had I kind of had a two diametrically opposed choices. I could either uh, put them in a program with great instruction, but the worldview wasn't something that I was really comfortable with as far as um, developing young men and having a biblical foundation. Or, and I also found some, on the other hand, Christian organizations that had some um, arts programs, but the quality of arts instruction, I just didn't feel was quite up to uh, the level that I was wanting for my boys or mm -hmm. for our boys. And so uh, we had been involved in another arts program for a time, and our boys and uh, several of their friends were really wanting more. They wanted more in-depth instruction, and we couldn't find anything. And uh, as most good homeschool programs start out, it was it started because of the needs of our own boys. And um, I uh, had a brand new newborn at the time. And I remember my husband and my sons coming to me, my older sons and saying, Mom, why don't you start this? Mm -hmm. Start something for us. Because uh, my my background was in piano performance. And I had taught music and taught theater for quite some time. And it hadn't really crossed my mind just because of the stage of life I was in at that time. Um, but honestly, it was like giving, like letting a racehorse out of a, out of a stable. Mm -hmm. I, I love the arts. I'm passionate about them and I love working with students. And so we began the development of the conservatory program first. Um, that was the first program that launched. It was a program for high schoolers, homeschooled high schoolers who are interested in one or more particular area of the arts. And we met with several different um, college representatives, college deans, college professors, and also uh, did some observation of um, visual and performing arts high schools around the country to find and develop a scope and sequence that we felt would prepare our students uh, to enter into the arts either as uh, a college major, as a vocation, or as an avocation with a high level of quality and excellence. So that was our first foray into homeschooling in the arts and arts education. So Lori, were you the only teacher at this point? Um, at what? I mean, how did that work? Well, we did have a group of, of teachers. I was the main teacher at the mm -hmm. conservatory at that time. Um, as we were beginning to develop it, we really started with just seven students, which was fairly easy to handle. And mm -hmm. that's grown, of course, into campuses across the country and, and hundreds of kids now. So, uh, But we sought out uh, well uh, well-equipped and well-educated uh, instructors to come alongside of us. Okay, so how did you find your instructors? Well, a lot of it was word of mouth. You know, they heard they heard about what we were doing, mm -hmm. and because it was such a unique uh, setup, where we were able to work first of all with homeschoolers and work with students who were really passionate about it. We weren't having to force the arts on these kids; they really wanted it. Um, the program itself began to draw high quality instructors towards it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then our parents that were involved, um, of course, had had their kids involved in the arts around uh, town and were able to give us great quality leads. And it kind of went from there. OK, so you're talking about Georgia. Bible belt belt. Yes. I know. I know that the arts and performing arts 
um, especially, has a very bad, well, not a bad reputation, but it has a reputation that a lot of um, Christians really you know, sort of just try and steer away from something like that. And mm. this is where those Christian um, programs come into play. Yes. And you said, you know, the, the standard wasn't really, um, you know, at the level that you needed it to be for your high schoolers who are going to maybe graduate with, with credits and, and move into college. Um, so obviously you had a group of people who had, I mean, you can't, you can't help um, but do something for your children that are creative. You can't say, well, I'm sorry, but you know, the worldview just isn't right for this kind of thing. You need to think of something else that you want to do. We can't do that because most of our children are very creative people. Exactly. And um, so I was just curious as to, I mean, how did you how did you filter the right kinds of people? Because they didn't all come from your homeschool group. You're saying some people that were already teaching in the community, maybe in the schools or the colleges, were hearing about you and being drawn to you. Well, that's a that's a great question. One of the things I think I had to uh, really filter through some things from both perspectives. Um, you mentioned that we started this program in the Bible Belt and. Um, and at that time, this was years ago, um, there was even more of a stigma to the arts there in that area than mm-hmm. there are now. But God had really given us a core group of families that understood that the arts were created by God um, mm-hmm. to bring glory to him. Mm-hmm. And so I had the, um, what do you say, the the backup or the support of mm-hmm. them. But I had to filter incoming, um, incoming teachers from that perspective as well. How did they view the arts? If they were a Christian uh, claiming to have a biblical worldview, were they kind of steering clear of the arts or only thinking that it could be arts, you know, visual art of a, you know, of Christian subject matter mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Christian music, mm-hmm. or did they see the arts as being created by God, all art forms being able to bring honor and glory to him? And so we had to look at it from that perspective, but also um, go through a real rigorous process with those that were coming in that say were were really drawn to what we were doing because of the scope and sequence and the quality of students and the quality of instruction, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the biblical worldview. So maybe the content that they would have uh, brought into the classroom would have been something that, that would have um, not matched with uh, the worldview that we that we were presenting to the students. Mm. I, one thing I didn't mention that I think is important is one part of the conservatory program that is that I think sets RDOs apart from any other arts related program is that we have a worldview scope and sequence, worldview and arts history. And our students have to take that class in order to be involved um, in the program, and they have to take it each year. It's a revolving uh, class that goes through the different time periods and the different philosophies that are evident in each time period and how those philosophies are shown in in the arts and also how they compare or contrast with a biblical worldview of the arts. So I think more than anything, that's what sets it, sets that apart. And, and John, you teach that class. Could you tell us just a little bit about why that's unique? Yeah, I think, um, well, you know, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, especially back when we first started Ardios, that there, there tends to be a very, um, cautious approach to Christians being involved in the arts because you know they are known for being such a a powerful tool I think to communicate ideas that are contrary to mm-hmm. the Bible and are contrary to a biblical worldview um, and I think the way we would approach it is you know to say yes that's true the arts are a very powerful tool to teach things that are contrary to the you know to a biblical worldview but if the arts come from a creative God then they're even more powerful to be able to teach students a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. So what we've really tried to do is look at, um, you know, each each year we kind of go through a, um, we study a different time period. You know, we go through the ancient, the medieval renaissance, the early modern, and then the modern time period. And what we try and do is we try and teach that class in a manner that that shows our students what the arts were communicating, you know, in the ancient time period, what were they communicating in it. In the medieval and renaissance time period, the early modern time period, and 
right now, uh, the schools I teach at are in the modern time period, which is my favorite because it, it's, it's closest to what those students are actually coming in contact with. Mm. And what we try and do is use the arts and use that class to teach students to compare everything, you know, looking backwards throughout history and compare the ideas and the art forms that, that were coming out of that time period as saying, does this communicate truth? Or does this communicate something that stands opposed to truth? And it's our hope that by looking at the past and looking at the arts from the past, that they're able to discern the different worldviews that have come out throughout history when they take the gifts and talents that they've been given and they use it in their own time period that they're living here and now, Mm. they'll still be able to discern what's truth and what stands opposed from truth. Mm. Yes. Right. I was going, I I made myself a note that when you're teaching the ancient medieval Renaissance history uh, uh, or the worldview with the arts, because everything was viewed uh, from a perspective that God was our creator, you know, a lot of that work stems from biblical scenes or biblical Mm. situations. And then as you become more modern, like today, it must be harder to find, I don't know, truly good art that's got a, maybe can be used because you don't use just Christian artists, do you? No, not no. at all. No. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the difference between um, teaching a worldview class when you're teaching the ancients, medievals and the Renaissance and then into the early modern and today. John, I'll let you handle that one. Uh, so can you repeat the question? You're wanting to know the difference between how you teach the arts of the past and how you teach the arts of today. Well, how? Uh, because the past seemed much more biblical. The worldview then was a much more biblical worldview, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I, I would think for the most part it was probably maybe I, – I don't know that I would say it was more biblical so much as the differences weren't as clear. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the past and, and the church has – you know, especially the Catholic Church was so so historically tied to everyday life, but there was still a lot that the church didn't do biblically. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of arts that the church even sponsored and produced, mm-hmm. but still wasn't necessarily from a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can use um, you know the Statue of David that that we all know as as a famous example. You know, mm-hmm. we we look at David as you know kind of a hero from the Bible. Uh, But the statue isn't necessarily representing that hero of the Bible so much as it's representing um, a high view of man, not Mm -hmm. necessarily a high view of God. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though it's sponsored by the church, it's a Christian content, you could say. The Mm -hmm. worldview that comes out of it isn't necessarily biblical because it's glorifying man. Um, So I I think I, I don't know that I would say there's a huge difference looking at the past. Um, you know, saying that things are, are less biblical now as than they were earlier. Uh-huh. Um, but the differences, I think, are, are there's a lot more gray area mm-hmm. now. They're not quite as as a black and white. Mm-hmm. And, and that does tend to make it harder, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Well, because well, I you... think when I think when you look at the subject matter, I think maybe that's what you're talking about. Um, the subject matter, oftentimes that was sponsored by the church back then, definitely did have biblical themes, biblical stories that it was representing, mm-hmm. and it was trying to meet the needs of of their um, parishioners at that time. You know, the ones that were illiterate, that they could see the see the stories in the stained glass windows. They could see the the biblical stories or the biblical themes through through the art that the church was sponsoring at that time. Um, and now, uh, you know, during the uh, during the rent before the Renaissance, during Middle Ages, uh, even when, you know, that the church took its hands off of um the arts because of worldly influences. And I think we kind of turned it over um, to the, Mm -hmm. to the world at that time. And we've never really taken it back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think there's a, I think in that way, there is a pretty clear distinction um, because uh, Christians tend to shy away from the arts Mm -hmm. um, instead of sponsoring it or Mm -hmm. thinking of something totally original on their own. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So we've got you've started your conservatory, and that's your that, that's the first um, Artios Academy um, program that you've got. And you, it, it's expanded. You've expanded it into um, the preparatory and, um, well, the academy. What what are the differences? There's the academy conservatory and the preparatory. So, well, we've actually kind of we've actually recently combined the academy and the preparatory program. So okay. let me let me explain how that happened. We had these wonderfully talented high school students, and um, that were incredibly gifted in the arts, but whose parents were homeschooling them. And um, you know, you've homeschooled too. You kind of get a you kind of have those second thoughts about homeschooling in high school. You get a little nervous. Can I do this? How am I going to do the subjects I'm not, don't feel prepared with? And we were losing students back to the classroom and um, they were giving up their artistic pursuits in order to um, make sure that they had their academics covered um, and discontinued homeschooling. And because of that, uh, we began to, Um, expand what we had been doing at home to offer to the uh, families of the people that we were ministering to. And that's how the Academy came about. We began a program that took literature, you know, English, which was literature, grammar, and composition, history, music, theater, and art. And we, again, integrated that into those four time periods so that when they were studying um, the history of the modern time period, there are also studying the literature of the modern time period, the music, the theater, and the art of the modern time period. And we developed a curriculum for that so that they were getting all of the liberal arts um, from that same perspective and could continue homeschooling because we were providing them a support system, a partnership where we could partner with them and walk with them through um through homeschooling all the way through high school. And then uh, we also added math and science to that as well, hiring qualified instructors so that we could partner with these parents and assist them in raising students who are artios. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the word artios is a kind of a strange word, but it comes from 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, where it says, um, all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be artios, which means thoroughly prepared and fully equipped for every good work. Mm -hmm. And so we feel like an integrated approach to education that includes the arts is a great vehicle to reach the hearts of young people with a biblical worldview so that they are thoroughly equipped and fully prepared for what God calls them to do. Wow. And I bet you thought when you started your little group with seven children that (laughs) that was as far as it was going to go. You were going to service your children and maybe their friends. And that was. Yeah, that was. Yeah, it's kind of gotten out of hand. (laughs) Well, it doesn't. It sounds as though it's been very well guided by. By God, and you have um, answered that call. Um, we have to go on a short break, and um, I'm talking to Laurie Lane and her son John about the RTS Academy and um, how they have been um, introducing arts in a biblically worldview format. And right. um, after after a few moments, we'll be back to talk to them a little bit more. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman. On toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. 
from 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Laurie and John, I wanted to ask you about how Artios has expanded and how you're no longer only in Georgia under your jurisdiction. It's it's branched out a lot. I know the, the web has probably helped with some of that. Um, and I was curious as to whether or not either one of you have an academy close to you that you actually go in and teach, or is it all administrative now? Well, I... Um, the original school started in Gwinnett County, Georgia, which is a you know suburb area of Atlanta. And that school, uh, because of size and the demographics, split into two schools. And John is now teaching at both of those uh, Georgia locations. He lives in the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, John and I, my husband John and I, moved to Colorado about eight and a half years ago. And I had no intention of starting an academy here. Um, We actually live up in the mountains about two hours from Denver. But somebody heard me speak at a convention and just kept asking and asking. And my my two sons that were home at that time needed an RDOs program. Because I'm telling you, the community that develops these programs is amazing. Um, And so we started a program down in Littleton. And uh, it has, this is its fourth year of, Mm. of, existence. Mm. And you teach there? Yes, I do. Okay. What do you teach? I teach, um, I teach history. I teach in the conservatory program. I'm teaching uh, music theory and I'm also uh, producing some of the plays this year. And so when you set that up, you had to hire your teachers and get your facility. How does that work? Well, our facilities are usually, um, in in all cases, are churches that okay. we um, rent space from during the week. Most churches are empty at least sometime during the week, and so we rent space from them and uh, use it almost like a like a campus location for for that particular area. Okay, so John, you're in Georgia, and you mm-hmm. are teaching and directing at both of the academies there that were our original academies? Yeah, we, um, there's, there's two in Georgia. There's mm-hmm. um, one up in the Johns Creek area and another down in South Atlanta. And we kind of live right in the middle between the two. Mm-hmm. So um, I teach a, a couple classes at both of those campuses. Okay. And, and your wife? Yeah, she. Um, I teach the worldview side of things. And she actually um, grew up as a dancer. So she... She teaches dance and choreography at both of those campuses. Okay. And the age, is it still high school, homeschool students? Um, Well, we actually have students from kindergarten all the way up through high school. Okay. Uh, So. Okay. And, you you know, you had a summer program. I I read in your bio that you have a summer program as well. So this is pretty full time. It really is. Um, Right after my wife and I got married, we... um, we, you know, we had a bunch of our high school students that maybe wanted to explore the areas of teaching. And Wendy had grown up doing camps her whole life. Her mm-hmm. mom directed camps. Her dad directed camps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, my mom mentioned earlier how much of a family and community atmosphere develops at these campuses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because of that, it's hard for these kids to go all summer without seeing their friends. So mm-hmm. we, we kind of started these Ardios Outpost summer camps at each of our different campuses. Mm-hmm. And um, our juniors and seniors of our high school program actually come and they intern with my wife and I. Right. And they uh, they create the camp, they staff the camp, they do all of the teaching. Mm-hmm. It really gives them a, a, uh, a unique opportunity to see how they can use the arts and ministry going forward, which is something we're really, um, my wife and I are really passionate about. Right, and, and you've got... So once they graduate from Arceus, 
Are they, do, do they have some kind of a credit that goes towards college? Uh, were you affiliated with any colleges? Well, we have colleges that actively pursue our, um, actively pursue our graduates for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. We're not, uh, I, I don't think we're actually tied to a particular college, but the way uh, we have structured the program is so that our students, um, our high school students specifically can earn high school credits that uh, can then in turn go towards their high school diploma. But we're also developing for them a portfolio of work, both um, in any of the five areas that they can major in. And I don't think I've mentioned those yet. They're visual arts, media arts literary arts, music, and theater. And so we're developing a portfolio of work that helps them with their college auditions, with scholarships, uh, and, of course, with just being prepared to walk into a college environment and to succeed. So um, John didn't mention that he, uh, the school that he directs there in Johns Creek is the, um, is the largest school that we have with over, uh, I think, 240 students wow. there now. So, and yeah. That, and do they come every day? No, they come, um, some come one day a week for arts-related instruction, and others come two days a week for arts and academics. So uh, we are, are trying to make it so that the parents can choose uh, an approach that best fits their family's approach to homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't live either in Georgia or Colorado, so as a homeschooling parent who is whose children are very interested in the arts and maybe I don't know an awful lot about the arts and I'm kind of going, oh, why can't they just do math or science, you know, um, where where would I go to get this kind of help with with this kind of program? Well, it's funny. That was something that I had never even um even dreamed of the way that it would expand, but uh, we've had people from around the country call us at different times and ask for help. Mm -hmm. And so we've developed a way of using our curriculum, using our structure, using the website, using the, you know, even down to the policies and procedures and budgeting mm -hmm. uh, to allow people to start an RDO's location in their own area. And um, it, uh, we kind of, we like to, we like to call it Ardios in a box. It's a mm -hmm. little more. It's a little more complicated than that, but not too much. Um, so that these uh, these people that that want to start a program, whether they're artsy or not, um, have the material and have the resources to put something like that together in their area. Okay, and you take them all the way through. You know how to recruit your homeschoolers. Start small and you know grow bigger. Is it like a co-op? Is it similar to a co-op? Um, no, I, I wouldn't call it a co-op. The reason I, I don't um, is because a co-op is usually a conglomeration of various teachers who, bring, who are bringing all their own individual skills um, together, but they're still individual. They're not, they're not hooked up with a scope and sequence. They're not dovetailing into one another, and they're not operating from a, uh, a common foundation. This, to me, is more of a partnership and uh, a partnership with between us and the staff, between um, us and the directors, and then, of course, the directors and the families that they're that they're ministering to so that they're we're all working from a common foundation, a common curriculum, a common philosophy and a common worldview. OK, so you're working together. It's teamwork. As we Ex know, the arts is very, very, um, very strong on that teamwork absolutely now you said that you it's a four-year program talk about that a little bit well I think I think what you're talking about is the conservatory program is a four-year program okay. for high school students okay. but as John mentioned we've got students that start from you know from Kinder, that are with us um, ages kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm -hmm. um, the conservatory program is just for high school students, but the academy um, and preparatory program that we've now combined is for all ages. And um, so we're able to partner with parents who are young parents all the way through those who are, you know, trying to get through that last homeschool graduate. So mm -hmm. And, and that really is our goal, is to assist and partner with them to raise students who are truly fully equipped. 
Right. Um, you talked about you've added math and science. So how how do you do that? How do you incorporate that? those as arts because to me those aren't arts you know I used to feel the same way (laughs) but um, when we're talking about I think we talked about this on that last broadcast about how creativity isn't limited to just art music theater literature Mm -hmm. you can see creativity in science in the creation that God has made and the infinite amount of variety that he came up with um, in in you know, in uh, in animals, in plant life, in insects, all of these different things, in the beauty of a sunset. How does that happen? How did he make those colors happen? You know, we, we like to think we're creative, but truly all we're doing is taking things that God created and mm-hmm. rearranging them. <laughs> and so when we look at science, we're looking at it from a creative perspective as well. Yes, we're learning the scope and sequence. Yes, we're learning the details, but we're looking at it to see God's creativity And we're approaching it from a creative perspective, which means we're doing much more hands-on interaction with the subject matter, whether that's science, whether that's math, whether that's, you know, computer graphics, whatever it might be, the approach is different. Mm -hmm. And you say that the children come one day a week, some two days a week. Um, what do you send? What do you send home to help the parents keep this mindset going, or does it matter? They can just go home to their regular homeschool and just be exposed to this kind of um, mindset one day a week or two days a week. No, we're truly providing a structure for them throughout the week, and I'll let John address that because okay. this kind of was his brainchild. All right. Yeah, it, it's you know I think there's a key philosophical difference between the way we approach education and and homeschooling as opposed to, um, you know, a lot of the other ideas out there. Mm -hmm. And that I think we would say, I I guess the traditional way of looking at it would be you have your academics and you have your arts and those are separate things. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you focus on your academics because that's what gets you into college. And then you kind of supplement academics with the arts. And, And we would, take a different approach rather than viewing arts and academics as separate with your academics being primary and your arts being extracurricular. We really view those things as a co-curricular attitude, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we really do hold the arts as just in high esteem as the academics. So what happens is when students come this, this one day a week, you know, they take uh, essentially what's, what's five classes. They'll take a history class a language arts and literature class, and then that art, music, and drama class. And we integrate everything throughout history. So all of these subjects are integrated together. Mm-hmm. And they take those five classes at Ardios. And then what we do is we provide essentially a, a, a system of homework that they can follow at home so that they're really getting a holistic view of history, of literature, of grammar and composition, of art, music, drama, and that's essentially becoming their homeschool curriculum. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not necessarily a supplement to using another type of curriculum at home. It really is the spine and the curriculum for an entire homeschool. And so, with the older, with the with your older students, would they be able to just direct to self direct without the parental input? And the younger ones need more parental input. That's no. definitely how it, that's definitely how we, we work, what we work mm-hmm. towards. We're, we're communicating with them throughout the week through an online learning management system called Haiku, where our teachers are able to communicate with them. They're able to post the assignments. They're able to answer questions throughout the week. And of course, you know, it depends on the student. I've had some high school students come in that their parents definitely need to sit beside them until they get a little more self-disciplined. Mm-hmm. But then I've had elementary students who are so delight and and self-directed that um, that they don't need as much supervision as you would normally think. So that's really dependent on the individual student. But um, we're there to provide the structure for them. And we're looking at this as a way to partner with the parents, not replace them. So they're still mm-hmm. in 
is parental responsibility there for them to follow up, make sure that things are getting done at home, et cetera. But obviously, as a student progresses, um, our desire is to create lifelong learners. So the older they get, the more um, the more self-driven and the more self-motivated they become. Right. So you, you, you talk about homework, but you're not talking about the kind of homework that they bring back and you have to go over. Sometimes it depends. Yeah. Like on, um, like for example, right now we're we're studying the Civil War in in history, and we have a um, you know they're doing some reading at home through through the curriculum that we provide. But they're right now my high schoolers are working on. Um, on a history project, but it's more of a visual history project on their view of the Civil War mm-hmm. or a particular area of interest that they've had. So um, it's not always what you'd call traditional homework, where it's a you know a test or mm-hmm. a quiz or mm-hmm. a worksheet. We're trying to to do more than have them just retain random facts. We want them to understand the concepts mm-hmm. and the and the principles behind what's going on. So, Laurie, are you, do you still write a lot of the curriculum? Yeah, we're coming up on, on uh, our final year of, of writing um, the curriculum, and then we'll go back and start revisions. You know how that goes. Yeah. So, um, But we've uh, that was something I kind of drug my feet on, and John Michael really pushed. And, and uh, when he went off to college and, and realized how differently he had been educated from those he was attending college with, he came home and started talking about, we need to make this available to other parents. And, um, you know, I know you were probably more of an eclectic type of homeschooler as well, Mm -hmm. where you gathered all this different resources and different information to make it match your child. And what we've tried to do with this curriculum is provide all that aggregation that I did over those 20 years of homeschooling and provide it in a way that a parent can take it and make it flexible and work for their own child. Mm -hmm. So you have Matt, you have teacher manuals and we have uh, we have what we call a spine. Um, I call it a spine because um, we can't use core, the word core anymore no. or, you know, everybody will have a heart attack, me <laughs> included. So um, but we use a spine and that spine contains all of the all of the information necessary for history, um, literature, grammar, composition, music theory. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about my music theory class day after Mm -hmm. tomorrow, Uh, music, theater and art. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we supplement with some outside resources for um, math and science. And, And so there are textbooks. Do you have a list of textbooks or do you use whole books? We are using whole books in our literature. Uh, We have our spine and we use whole books. Uh, Mm -hmm. Our kids right now, um, our middle schoolers are reading um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Um, We just finished with the poetry unit from the modern time period Mm -hmm. um, where we're studying the poets of that of that particular time period. So, yeah, we're usually using um, whole books. Mm. Wow. That's a lot of work. It has been, but you know, it was, it hasn't been done all overnight. This was, um, the beauty of this is for me is to be able to go back through and realize what my kids, what we actually accomplished all those years of homeschooling and to put it in writing, to be honest with you, that hopefully someday it'll be a a good help to my, um, my daughter in loves and my granddaughters and grandsons that we'll have. So that's right. That's right. So, um, John, you're involved very much with, with the Academy. So obviously it, um, affected you and has had a, you know, sort of a, um, life changing or lifelong, um, <laughs> love, um, for this. And um, I think that's that's marvelous that that it's happened like this. Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about um, your enthusiasm. Was your wife um, a homeschooler? Did she go through the RTS Academy herself? Uh, she was she was homeschooled. She actually grew up in Florida and then in Michigan. Okay. So she she didn't go through RTS, but she was homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think honestly, all the way through from first grade, all the way through 12th grade. Yeah. Um, You know, it's had a, I think the enthusiasm comes from an experience I had in college. You know, mom kind of alluded to this earlier, but when I graduated Ardios after getting all of this great worldview teaching and, and really being taught to discern truth from things that aren't truth, 
um, going off to college, you know, especially to a Christian college that I went to and, and seeing so many of my friends that didn't, weren't necessarily taught to be able to discern truth mm-hmm. from things that aren't that stand opposed to truth. And I studied theater where, you know, there's, it's such a powerful tool to teach things that aren't truth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think seeing the impact that, um, you know, my friends that, that were in college with me as a, as a freshman, they came from Christian homes, they came from Christian families and they went out into the world. And then so many of them, I think just kind of began to, fall away from the faith because they didn't really have that firm foundation of really having a firm grasp of what truth was. Mm-hmm. And coming out of that experience really gave me a heart and a passion to teach um, all students, but especially I think high schools, middle school and high school students, um, things like worldview and, and to be able to really see the world through the, through the lens of scripture, mm. to be able to see the arts through the lens of scripture and be able to use and see, I guess, that all the talents and gifts that they've been given shouldn't be used to glorify themselves, but should be used to glorify God and to point others towards God. Mm-hmm. And the enthusiasm I have for this program is because I see how well it actually will equip students yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. So I, I really came out of college with a passion to be able to minister and, and teach middle school and high school students how to how to think biblically, how to think deeply, so that when they go off into college, they have that firm foundation and they don't necessarily fall away or get sidetracked from mm-hmm. um, the faith and what God wants them to do with their lives. And, and during one of the breaks, Laurie, um, I said to you, all right, um, is there certain music that you steer away from? And I want to finish with your your answer to that. That's a that's a very good question and a very fair question and one that often comes up. What our goal is, is to provide students with the biblical principles to look at music, to look at art, to look at theater and see, as John mentioned, is this truth or does this stand opposed to truth? Is it, does it have merit or does it not have merit? And to be able to have the discernment to walk away on their own mm-hmm. without me saying, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. Um, but to give them the principles to operate on so that that faith, so that that biblical worldview isn't just my worldview. It isn't just something I'm trying to, you know, um, stuff down their throat or that the teacher is trying to, you know, impact them with, but it becomes their own. Mm. And that is really where we meet the heart. And that is truly why we see the arts and academics as a vehicle to meet to, to, to the heart of these young people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's time for us to part of part ways. Thank you so much for taking time this afternoon to talk with me. I've been chatting to Laurie Lane and her son, John Michael, about performing arts and how important it is for all of us, well, all the arts, the visual arts, for all of us parents and children alike to find a place for it in our lives and in our curriculum. John personally knows and understands this value of creativity and views it as a privilege to be a part of RTS and to work towards the goal of helping parents raise educated, equipped and elevated servant leaders of the kingdom. Now, if you want to find out more, if you want to start your own Arteos um, Academy in your own city, um, there's a website. Go to www.artiosacademies.com and you can find out much, much more about their wonderful programs and how you can become involved in your area. I've got it linked on my Toginet page and I've also got it at the Sociable Homeschooler. Thank you both once again for taking the time from your busy schedules to come and talk on my show this afternoon about your academies. You have a wonderful and safe weekend. Always a pleasure Thank to you. talk to you. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. Goodbye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. 
If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live la bella vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Our first introduction as a family to the local theater was through our oldest son's talented voice. We suggest he try out for a musical, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. His plucky debut audition rewarded him with a part, and as a family we went to see every performance where he sang his heart out for ten shows. The next show he auditioned for was The Sound of Music, and he was given the part of Kurt, the youngest son. This time my Texan and I decided to take a more active role and shared the position of assistant stage manager. Our youngest son, at eight years old, became boss of the Grand Drape. Every other night, we parents would take it in turns to stay at home to babysit the girls, who were still too young to stay up until midnight during technical rehearsals. When the show opened, however, the girls came to see all the performances. My parents also happened to be visiting from England, so there weren't many hours of the day when our lives weren't filled with the sound of music. My children have had their eyes opened to many aspects of the casting process while we were in the theatre. They've participated in a cattle call, been told to leave after walking into a room because they were the wrong height, had the maxim, don't call us, we'll call you, tossed at their retreating backs, been the recipients of postcards sent to them with condolences and suffered disappointments over parts that they really wanted. They've had to stand for an hour with peers who have auditioned and then been dismissed without getting a turn. They've improvised looking at a baby that turned out to be a rat for Stuart Little, performed skipping rope tricks for Yes, Virginia, sight read from a script, executed ridiculously complicated dance steps at dance calls, prepared auditions that put the director to sleep or caused him or her to shout, Next! All this moulds a tough child. On the night when all four of our children auditioned for The King and I, we were called and told that three of our progeny had made the show. I didn't know how to console the unlucky child, but her siblings did. Watching them rally around each other was heartwarming and exposed them to the real world in a way I wouldn't have been able to improvise, even if I'd, even if I'd been able to think up such a trying and cruel scenario. One of my children, who auditioned umpteen times without getting a part, celebrates the memory of her first callback and will always remember the director who gave her that gift. She invited him to her birthday parties every year while she was still young. It was at the theatre where my children learned valuable life lessons. They watched single parents struggling to make ends meet. They talked to friends about broken homes and how a family away from home, in a safe place, was a healing commodity. They made mistakes and discovered how to bounce back. They experienced the reality of fairness and the challenges of tolerance, the cruelty of competition and the rancor of favoritism. They found the courage to bond without restraint, despite the pain of saying farewell. They made numerous kinds of friends, both male and female, and together ran lines and their blocking. They became disciplined by commitment and united by team spirit. They grew to understand that friendships could be renewed and goodbye wasn't necessarily forever. They mastered looking out for one another and a new skill called networking. They kept in touch. They learned that gossip was spreading other people's unsavory news, which carried repercussions that burned. They discovered the art of taking responsibility. They exercised self-control backstage by not talking and in costume by not eating. They heeded the warning of the prop mistress not to touch anything that wasn't theirs. They were always there and they were always prepared. They were told there were no big or small parts and that jealousy was a form of avarice. 
They were taught about the history of music, composers, the plays and the writers. They researched eras, costumes, hairdos, makeup, and props. They left criticism to the critics and notes to the director. Most of all, they worked with so many wonderful adults who were happy to share their wealth of experience with them. The list could go on and on, and needs to culminate with how much they enjoyed sitting and thoroughly enjoying a play or a musical that was not flashing across their screens at so many scenes a nanosecond. And with that, I've come to the end of another show. I'm going to be exploring the new place where we're living, and I'll bring you news of that next week. We'll be recovering from our trip to California and continuing on our quest for land. I've been asked to be a celebrity reader at my teacher daughter's learning center, and I love doing that. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place, next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Toginet Radio, my producer Corey, my returning guest this week, Laurie Lane and her son John Michael, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. Go forth in peace, for you have followed the good road. Go forth without fear, for he who created you, has sanctified you, has always protected you, and loves you as a mother. Blessed be God for having created us. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.